The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Opening day is almost upon us. We have a couple more drafts left. Fred's got a big one tonight in FBC Satellite. I've got a main event tomorrow night as well as an NL Home League. Lots of spring training news as well coming down the pike. Here, all that here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax, brought to you by Underdog, and uh, now uh, Vivid Seats as well joins us for the party. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Fred, what's going on? How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I uh, yeah, last like you mentioned earlier, my last big draft. I will say my last my last big money draft uh, coming up in just a few hours. Pretty excited. Nice, nice. Uh, and it's like the five hundred dollar. Did you say yeah, five hundred dollar satellite? Yeah, that's not yeah, cheap. It good. No, it's that's, not. That's pretty good sized money for sure. Yeah, enough to enough to put some serious thought into it. Still don't know who I'm taking in the first round, but I'm not even going to get into that. I'll I'll save it save it for later. Why? Why wouldn't you get into that, Fred? Is someone listening? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some. Maybe this is the catch twenty two of working in this industry, where people I'm drafting tonight could be listening uh, right now. So I pick eighth. I'll say that much. Okay. Um, I assume all the big five will be gone, and then actually, judging by draft boards so far, uh, the big five will be gone, and then there seems to be like a little bit of a six seven tier lately. Often with. Kyle Tucker and Shohei Otani. They seem to, yeah. when you look at the ADP, there's a little bit of a gap where they their average pick is clearly behind whoever's fifth, Julio Rodriguez. And then, but then it's the net, there's a bit of a drop from those two to the next person. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I, 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 I kind of expect they'll be gone and I'll have a choice of who's left, but it, it's not quite that uniform. There's a chance one of them will be available. Yeah, um, there is. Uh, every once in a while, goal, uh, Garrett Cole or Vlad slips in. Bobachet yep. slips in every yep. once in a while. Pitcher. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you said Cole. Burns could slip in. Yep. Do you find yep. the industries, by the way, now we're on the off topic now quick, but did you find the industries almost decided all of draft season that Corbin Burns was more valuable and then at the last minute when the main event came around, flipped the script and started favoring Garrett Cole? Yeah, they- self-included. Yeah, like like Cole's main event ADP is I just pulled this up before we started is nine, and Burns is eleven. And I think all of draft season, Burns was on average going earlier than Cole. Yeah, and I'm yeah I took Cole on Saturday, so there over you Burns. go. Uh, over Burns, I took him at ninth overall. 
what was the thinking of Cole over Burns? Is there any thinking or just that Cole's done it for longer? Or? Team context is slightly better. Okay. Uh, yeah, Cole's done it a little longer. Uh, didn't like a little bit about how Burns ended the season last year. Yeah. Um, didn't like that the Brewers went to the mats with him on uh, arbitration. It may motivate him more. He just signed with Boris. Who knows? But uh, I don't know. I've got bad vibes going on with the Brewers. So I don't know. I, I completely, yeah. completely off on that. And I have Burns in plenty of leagues. It's not like I'm avoiding him. But between the two, I like Cole just a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, Cole has done it for longer. Uh, Burns, you're right, did have an ERA. I think it was 397 in the second half. Um, now, Coles was 350 for the year. So uh, that was always, we talked, like that was a thing last year, the home runs and, and everything. But whatever, they're both awesome. You pro- hopefully can't go wrong with either one. I just found it interesting that throughout January, February, and the first half of March, it was Burns and then a few picks later, Cole. And then all of a sudden, all the main event data comes in and it's mostly Cole first. Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, it is interesting how that works. And it was also interesting that if you look at any ADP before the main event started, mm-hmm. like on average, Cole and Burns were outside of the first round. And yeah, I don't we think they've made it coming, outside yeah. of the first round in any single draft. Yeah, I mean, that was maybe Burns the, has. Right. That was the thing all through draft season is this like, oh, there's a deep group, group of aces this year. There aren't really aces who have separated themselves from that deep group. There won't be any pitchers in the first round. And then it was always when the main event comes around, will the pitchers get pushed up? We talked about that a little bit last week. And the answer is yes. The pitchers, we did get back to two and Spencer Strider going on the one, two turn. Like he was around the two, three turn for most of draft season. And now yeah. in the main is on the one, two turn. So yeah, same thing as always. We see pitchers pushed up and therefore some of those hitters in the first three rounds falling a few more picks. Yeah. It's an emphatic. Yeah. So, and then that, Sorry, I was going to say that for my satellite tonight raises the question of like, does that main event pitcher push up trickle into other formats or is the main event just its own entity? Uh, because you don't, it's a standalone contest. It could be different. Yeah. It could behave different. Now, I, I think one of the reasons why pitching gets pushed up like mad in the main is just because of the overall contest. So much of our, so many of our dollars go towards the overall prize. Mm-hmm. So you need to compete for it, which means you can't punt pitching. You need to have a balance. Um, uh, you know, how you get to that balance is debatable, but, you know, that, that's kind of one of the tricky things there. 36 main events have gone off now. Cole's average pick is nine. Burns is 11. Strider is 15. So, you, yeah, you can see it. I've done two main events since we've spoken, Fred. Uh, on One on Saturday, live in Vegas, and then one last night online. Uh, I have to say the Vegas ones, almost universally, were pushing up the starting pitchers more so than the onlines. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out why is that the case? Is that the, the, like, I like to get into the whys behind these things. Is that because the Vegas drafters are, you know, more main event experience. So they go there just assuming that they're going to push pitchers way up mm-hmm. because you have to, you have to react to your draft room when you're in an overall contest. You can't totally just get stubborn and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to shove all the hitting categories in this league and just do okay in pitching. And I'm going to win the league anyways. You can try to do that, but you're not competing in the main at that point. So yeah, I was trying to decide that. Or is it, is it that the Vegas drafters, like I said, like are more NFBC main event veterans. So they come in with a plan of pushing pitching up because you're right in your draft last night uh, online, the pitching didn't get pushed up to the same degree. No, it didn't. Um, and I think that that's a great question. I don't know the answer. I think there's one, one hypothesis is the more experience uh, is one thing. I think too, it's a visual experience. 
uh, visual and audio experience. You see that big board in front of you, projected in front of you. You get the screen projected. You see that sea of yellow. You see those pictures. You see the reaction to those pictures getting taken. And they're like, ah, ah, another picture gone. Oh, another picture gone. I, I think it feeds upon itself. Yeah, for sure. I do think that a lot of the people fly out to Vegas assuming that self-fulfilling prophecy. They fly out to Vegas assuming that pictures are going to get pushed up. Mm -hmm. Then they become part of the pushing. As soon as a couple pictures go, they're like, I knew it. I knew they're going to get pushed up. And then the run starts. Like you, in your draft last night, you see like like Burns, Cole, Strider, they all went in the first 13 picks. But then after that, like it did settle down a bit. Like Scherzer went in the top 20 picks. That's that's aggressive. That's a main event style thing. And then all of a sudden it just settled in. And most the of third second, round was pretty calm. Uh, yeah, and, well, most of your second round, through the middle of your second round, we go Trout, then Class A, but then Goldschmidt, Soto, Alonzo, Tatis, Riley, all in a row. Um, so it didn't go like, true. like, yeah, like Verlander, Woodruff fell to late in the second round. Um, you got guys like Nola in the mid, almost the middle of the third round, McClanahan late third round. You know, you got Bieber late in the third round. Those in Vegas, all of those guys are gone by the middle of the third Correct. round. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely true. Uh, and to that end, like, you know, I I'm sitting next to the guy that gets McClanahan at his main event max mm -hmm. average pick for Shane McClanahan. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, in, in the main is 31 range of 17 to 43. Well, 43 was my league one away from me when I don't have a starter. Uh, that, that was looking pretty tantalizing for me there. Um, uh, and, and, and some other, you know, I, I, I could have taken, I think I could have taken Kevin Gossman. I didn't uh, do that. You might chastise me for that. I'll, I'll be sorry if I didn't. <laughs> uh, but I, I went Bieber over McClanahan and Urias and Cease, a couple others. Uh, I'll say, uh, you know, and we'll go into the guts of my draft in a little bit, but it's just, uh, it, it is, you, you see that there. And yeah, other targets later, I was, I felt like I was able to get um, like, you know, you know, what same picture that I got in the, on Saturday in the 10th round, I got in the 12th instead uh monday night mm -hmm. so that kind of either i overdrafted him on saturday entirely possible or just that more was available and i i i choose to believe the latter yeah well it's all just playing the room and it, i think it's just like when the whole room in vegas pushes pitching up then it's fine you just take your pitcher around earlier and then the next round you take a hitter and you're like oh i'm surprised he's here he hasn't been available at this point in any of my drafts so far well that's because the pitching got push, pushed up so it's just it, it's kind of just six of one and a half dozen of the other like you were fortunate for example that you got alec manoa uh in late in the fifth round yes that, that yes. is not we we're very happy about that not happening in vegas um however uh you took tim anderson early in the sixth round which is totally fine but in vegas you might have had a better hitter available at that point because the pitching would have been so pushed up so it's just it's just trade-offs that way right yeah um for sure yeah i wonder you're right the person in your draft say who started strider de grom and then when mcclanahan fell to him or her in round three and they took mcclanahan i wonder if they were thinking oh i thought this was a main event i'd start with two pitchers and then all the pitchers would be gone and they weren't gone like i wonder if that person regrets the fact that they took strider and de grom maybe not maybe they had a plan to to do this with pitching but um it, this is a the way that it gets into your head you know the decisions you make you can just go balance on the first two turns and just say first two picks and say, I'll take hitter pitcher. And then I can pivot from there, but loading up on pitchers early in the first couple rounds, of the main event draft isn't crazy. If the pitching all gets pushed up, correct. If it doesn't, 
then you're sitting there looking at pitching values thinking, Oh, I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I was more balanced. So, but anyways, I thought, I thought your draft was, was really good. Um, I think Scott Barlow in the 11th round of a main event is highway robbery. I think that is. I was really very good. happy with that. And I didn't even, I already had one closer at that moment, but I could, couldn't pass that up. And normally I'm, I'm content to like fish around for the second one. But that was 30 picks well after ADP is like, why not take it there? So I, I took it. And then, you know, I only got, I should have, I took one other reliever really super late in Kendall Graveman because the White Sox have said they're sharing it. Uh, but I probably won't, you know, I probably could have gone without that too. But just yeah. in the off chance that there's, uh, you know, on the off chance that, uh, you know, something happens, because uh, Barlow, I mean, he's not guaranteed to close. They do have Chapman. He does yeah. exist. I'm not afraid of Chapman that much, but at least as a, in terms of performance. Um, but you never know with the manager. So, but just in case, and I paired him with Rom uh, Jordan Romano, who I have in both of my main events. Oh, okay. So you're heavy in on Jordan Romano. I think that's a fine pick. Like if he's healthy, like he's the blue Jays guy, that's a traditional bullpen. There's yep. not, not a ton of those left in baseball. So that that's a, a yeah, very traditional bullpen setup. He he's going to get almost every save uh as long as he's healthy so yeah i think he was a fine pick like i said like like well he went before well you took him before devin williams which is fine before ryan yeah Hulley, i'm out on devin williams at before the ryan presley i think that's fine they all but they all went <laughs> you know by the time it got back to you your option was kenley jansen I, I i think just you're not that comfortable with kenley jansen this year which is fine uh yeah the, and the barlow one i thought was really good it came after andres munoz uh you know a, and then a, a, like a round and a half after David Robertson, Yohan Duran, Pete Fairbanks. I think Barlow belongs with all those guys who were going earlier than him. So yeah, it was really yeah. good. I, I like, I like some of the other picks. I like Jeff McNeil a lot in round 16. He's maybe just so boring that main event drafters feel like he's not going to help them win right. a big prize, but it's okay to have some boring guys in the, even in a main event lineup. Absolutely. Kind of cost me another starter that I wanted. I wanted to get Shannon Manaya because I think he provides strikeouts. Mm -hmm. And he went, of course, went like three picks after that. I, I didn't have him in my queue. I'm like, should I do it? Should I do it? No, I, I didn't do it. And two, uh, two picks later, he goes. Uh, but so yeah. be it. You're, a uh, little, you're right. You're a little low strikeouts in the sense that Manoa, for like an early round guy, isn't a huge strikeout guy. Correct. Uh, Bassett's not a huge strikeout guy. And then Miles Michaelis is definitely not a huge strikeout guy. Just from a few guys that you had taken so far. I, I like Jose Urquidy, who you took in the next round after you couldn't mm -hmm. get. But he's also not a huge strikeout guy. You'll no, notice I, that's kind of a continuing theme. I was in, kind of boring value taking these pitchers. Yeah. There are solid, steady pitchers on reasonably decent teams. We'll see about the Angels and Tyler Anderson uh, if, they're, if they're good at all. But I think that'll be better this year. Um, and that was kind of just value taking there. But, you know, it's not exciting. It's not the high upside guys. Like, I, I, I think there was a chance. At one point, I had a choice between uh, – who was it? Uh, I had a, a shot at Edward Cabrera, and I, instead of Cabrera, I went with uh, someone else. And I, okay. geez, I can't remember who it is, but um, so it really makes for a great story. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, Cabrera's got the higher K upside. So yeah, I, I went Sonny Gray over Edward Cabrera, and I went Joey Manessis because I always go Joey Manessis too. But at that point, but Cabrera's like got the higher ceiling when it comes to case, but he's also got a much lower floor when it comes to walks and health and team. Yeah. I would take gray in that scenario. Maybe I'm not thinking main event style swing for the fences. Although like, 
there's just this expectation that Sonny Gray is going to spend time on the IL this year, which I agree with. Like if I was betting, I would bet on Sonny Gray to spend time on the IL. But every year we do see a few pitchers who we just assume they're going to spend time on the IL and then they don't. And right. why couldn't Sonny Gray be one of those players? And there, there is an upside to Gray because when he pitches, he usually pitches pretty well. So, right, you know, all you need for that pick to hit as like an upside pick, not a floor play, an upside pick would be just for him to make 28 or 30 starts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I, I, I got to say, too, like the, I did like how this draft felt compared to Saturday. I'm, I was fine with how Saturday went. I think I have a competitive team there, too, but. I felt like I got more things on here. And I'll, just to review some of the picks that I made, uh, start off for, at, at 14th overall. Uh, you know, I I wanted to get two out of Vlad, Machado, Betts, and Freeman. Betts and Freeman went before me, so I was kind of sweating it after that. I didn't want to have to take Jordan Alvarez there. I, I just, I don't trust right now. I don't trust Soto with the quad for that matter. You know, and I'm giving somebody a windfall and that could come back to bite me, but we'll see. So I was thrilled when I got Vlad and Manny Machado uh, at one, two. Yeah. I, I think what's, what went really well for your draft is that you put yourself by, I think those are great picks, like on pure value at that point in the draft. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised that Freeman went, although I like Freeman a lot that he went earlier than both of them. Uh, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I just find that's not usually what's happening. Um, but I think those are both great picks. What, what I think, the reason your draft worked out really well for you and that I like it so much is when you did that in a main event draft and you don't pick for almost two full rounds, you're just crossing your fingers on what the pitching run looks like. And it ended up, it ended up going your way in the sense that there really wasn't a pitching run and you were able to get Shane right. Bieber as your ace on the next turn in some, if you were in Vegas and started Guerrero Machado, I would assume Bieber's gone or Rios is gone. Cease is gone. Uh, you know, and I, and the I don't secondary even, tiers too. That was you're the probably case. down to now Gosman, Javier, Luis Castillo, one of them. So right. I think the ability to get Bieber was really good. Bieber and a closer on that next turn. If you didn't opt for a closer, you could have gone Bieber and Luis Castillo, something like that. But when you took the two hitters, like the safe approach, I guess for you would have been to take Vlad and then take a pitcher. And then you're just like, oh, whatever. However, the room goes. I've got one hitter, one pitcher. Whatever the room goes, I'll, I should be fine on my next turn. Um, but you took a bit of a risk, and the risk actually worked out really well for you. And that was kind of a continuing theme later in the draft. Uh, at at I got Manoa and Tim, Alec Manoa and Tim Anderson at the five six, uh, not quite turn, but fourteen mm-hmm. and and six point two, mm-hmm. uh, seven and eight. I, and you kind of view my picks in pairs. Yep. I knew I needed outfielders. I knew I needed speed. I, I, th- I debated going another pitcher there. Instead, I went Jake McCarthy for the speed and Nick Castellanos for just the pure overall value and the power. I like his uh, chances of bouncing back in year two with the contract and a full year under Kevin Long. I think he's going to be a better hitter this year. So I was happy with that. But, you know, of course, I'm, I'm losing out on, on, on a decent number of pitchers. But if you kind of look, it's not the sea of yellow that I thought it was going to be. And then I took that same chance in rounds nine and ten. Where I I felt I value took was Sean Murphy and Glaber Torres, who both went below what they've been going in the main events. Yeah, I think it's good. And I think it's good to get one catcher, right? Just to mm-hmm. so you, you can play with one catcher spot, to, but to get one catcher who you feel like is just a plug and play catcher, and yeah, there it is. So you took another chance there. Like instead of Glaber Torres, you could have taken. I'm just looking at the next pitchers to go. Luis Garcia, Reed Detmers, Jordan Montgomery. And I came this close to taking Garcia, who I took on on Saturday. 
Right. So you could have done that. Again, you were leaving yourself open. So now we're through 10 rounds. You only have three pitchers. None of them were on your one, two turn. So in theory, like you have three pitchers, they're pretty valuable, but not even not, it's not even like one of them's Garrett Cole or something. And then you cross your fingers and then it all went really well coming back to you where you were able to surprisingly get Scott Barlow. You also got Chris Bassett, who's someone who you feel good about for this year. And then on the net, and then the next turn you were able to get Sonny Gray, who's someone you feel good about. So I think, yeah, you went on that hitter run for five rounds in a row and ended up being able to comfortably get three pitchers after that without having the board just dry right up on you. Yeah, especially because like round 11, if you look at it there, there were only three pitchers out of 13 picks before me in that entire round. I could have gotten punished a lot more. Um, And so that that was that was a beautiful thing. Uh, So that kind of was nice that it helped helped out there. Uh, but, uh, the other thing, uh, you know, I thought later in the draft team 13 picked off a number of my targets. I wanted some more speed. I wanted Jose Siri in, in one other draft. He went in round 19. This one, he goes in round 17, one pick before me, hmm. Oscar Colas in round 19, 21, Austin Meadows, 23, James Altman, same guy needed outfielders just like I did. And he kept on picking my guys off. So that was a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I, Sometimes I don't know the if I like, I think I'd like to be not that you necessarily had a choice, but I love being this year. I finding I'm enjoying being like four picks out from a turn and then three picks out from a turn. Cause then you can kind of sandwich and look at those people on the turn and what they need is this guy. Do these guys need a lot of outfield? Right. You can, you can certainly do that from pick 14. You can hem in the person who's picking 15th, but I think there's a little more potential to do that to an even greater degree. If you're picked 12 or 13. Oh, 100%. I, I enjoy doing that. I don't really like being at that end, um, but I've enjoyed my drafts this year when I've been picked four or three, and I can look at what picks one, two, or one, two, and three need on those turns. Oh, I, I agree. I, you can't do it too far, but I think if you if you pick it three away from the turn or four away from the turn is ideal as far as For that sure. goes. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, and by the way, I didn't choose pick 14. It was my 14th choice. Okay. Uh, so, so be it. Uh, but I, I, it worked out well. I thought it, I thought it was fun. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll write up. I got to write up all three of my drafts. I have one more main event tomorrow night where I'm drafting fifth. Uh, we'll have a completely dis- different perspective on that one there. But we have lots of other news and notes, so yep. uh, we're going to go ahead and hit some of that up. But first, uh, let's get our uh, some of our reads in here from some of our excellent sponsors. Uh, the fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best best Ball Tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. I drafted two Dingers, one on the way to Vegas and one on the way home from Vegas. I wasn't driving, don't worry. Uh, And Jen said I was doing the driving. In Best Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you also, <coughs> excuse me, you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about some of the big, big free agent news that's happened here. A um, number of different things uh, that we got to talk about. I want to lead off with a d- demotion, uh, and that was the Grayson Rodriguez demotion yesterday. There's he was one of three top prospects that I think have gotten sent down so far. Probably, probably more than three, but that was the big one, the one that people used a lot, a lot of draft capital for. Uh, a, lot, a lot of surprises. I have him in AL Tout Wars. We have a fab run there tomorrow night. I'm in big trouble there, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But did you see this one coming, Fred? Not really. Like, this was one, I don't know, maybe we rested on our laurels here. I used to be more, it's weird. I used to be more suspicious of teams using youngsters on the opening day roster, but then we're seeing some aggressiveness with youngsters, Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe, et cetera. So I thought this Grayson Rodriguez thing, was going to happen now i guess looking at it from a more skeptical lens and i have no shares of rodriguez and i really wasn't even close to taking him in any leagues this year um so i'm just worried about how many innings he'll throw and the price he was going for right. but beyond that when i look at the pitchers they took uh, i don't know like i get it from an organizational depth perspective i get it from that point like kyle gibson was always going to be in the rotation Cole Irvin was always going to be in the rotation. I think Kyle Bradish was always going to be in the rotation. So Tyler Wells is not that good, and but he was okay last year. And Dean Kramer is not that good, but he was okay last year. And right, this gives them the chance to put Rodriguez in AAA and just keep a little more of that starting pitcher depth. And there's a good chance Rodriguez will be in their rotation in two or three weeks when the first person gets hurt. But I don't know. I guess I kind of get it. He threw 74 innings last year, so keeping innings down isn't that 
wrong of a consideration. Uh, in spring training, he had a 704 ERA, a 157 whip, and 15. It's 15 innings, but it's still you want to see a guy like knock the door down, right? Anthony Volpe was awesome in spring training. Yep. He, Jordan Walker was awesome in spring training. Grayson Rodriguez was not awesome in spring training. Uh, you know, he was awesome last year in the minors, although he did walk 21 guys in 69 innings. In, in spring training, he had, you know, he did have 19 strikeouts. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Uh, but he did have a, give up a ton of hits, uh, 17 hits in that span. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's nothing. I mean, it's, that could be like a couple of squibs could change everything there for him, but I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't even think it's necessarily uh man. I don't think it's management of contracts, but then again, Adley Rushman didn't get called up right away last year. Yeah. It, we kept on asking, where is Adley? So, I think it's a legit question, uh, but at the same time, he didn't earn. Now, the, the the follow-up question is the big one. Does he come back in three weeks? Does he come back in three months? When do we see him? Yeah, I, I think I think he comes back sooner rather than later. So if it's not three weeks, it's four weeks or five weeks. I think he's a hold. I think he's a hold if you've already drafted him. Um, if I was in a league where someone dropped him, would I go out and pick him up? It would probably just depend um, if it's NFBC style. Like it would just depend on what my bench looks like. Sure. Obviously, obviously no one's dropping him in labor. Or, well, I don't think so. Or tout wars because they have the unlimited IL. So you have a little more bench room overall. And in labor, you can move them down because that's the one time you can reserve a player as if he gets right. sent to the minors. Um, yeah. I, so I think he's a, I think he just stay. I think even so even like mixed labor where he's just going to eat a bench spot, but you have six of them and unlimited IL. So I think he, he gets one for sure. It's more NFBC. If you are the person who also has Altuve and you know what I mean? And Tristan McKenzie. And then you're like, Oh, I got to, I got to hold those two guys for right. a while. Am I holding Grayson Rodriguez too? Maybe then you're just backed into a corner and you have to drop them. So you're drafting NFBC tonight. I'm drafting NFBC tomorrow night. Do you draft? Grayson Rodriguez is there a point where is there any point where you say okay I'll go ahead and take him now he's fallen enough yep I, I oh yeah for sure I I think I think it depends on again it depends on if you've already drafted that we're so late in the season or spring training that if you haven't drafted any injured players tonight it's reasonable to assume that you won't have any injured players on opening day you might have one by the end of the first weekend but it's right I'd say because spring training games are wrapping up. So I think it's reasonable to say if you haven't, if, if you, if you avoid drafting guys like Altuve tonight. So how about this? Would you rather draft Tristan McKenzie or Grayson Rodriguez? I won't draft either of them tonight, uh, on okay. Wednesday. I'll tell you that much. Um, I mean, I guess there's probably, a price Rodriguez around 25, is, but it'll, that'll never yeah. get them. Rodriguez is probably there first, I think, but McKenzie mm-hmm. is like proven to be a good major league pitcher. Whereas Rodriguez, there's also the chance he comes back, but makes short starts or just is okay, but not good. Tristan McKenzie was really good last year. He was, right? so, he was, but he, but he's out for a while. Yeah. Again, yeah. I, I would draft McKenzie tonight, but he's the only one. It'd have to be late. And he's the only one of that sort that I'm drafting. If that's the he case. went. So it's so funny Saturday before the new, before he got hurt, he went in the fifth round mm-hmm. and then we're talking about Tristan McKenzie now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the fifth round, he goes on Saturday last night with the news. He went in the 13th round, but I know in like Scott Jenstad did a league like an hour before me yeah. and he went in like the 16th and I, I'm not there for that price. I need it to be even later. Eight weeks is a long time. 
That's a long stash. Yep. Um, and I, 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 I'm with Brooks here. I'm worried about the long term. He's a wispy fella. Uh, I used to be wispy at one point in time without being able to throw hard. Um, I just you worry about durability. Of course, you have to worry about that there. And I, I think I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm really concerned that this is a long term thing. You know, it, it, that it leads to another injury. He comes back too soon. There's one setback. They decide to be careful with it there. I, there's a lot of different ways that this can go wrong. So I, you know, it'd have to be like on drafted for my bench. If you know what I mean? Like I have to have yeah. nine other pitchers before I draft him, which means you're talking in the round in the twenties in terms of rounds and a 15 teamer. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I was picturing more like round 22 to five, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And again, you can only, uh, you only take one of them at round 25. If you had some injuries pile up in April, or you had a really good feeling on a potential closer and in April, and you just wanted to scoop them up. You didn't have any other room. Uh, you just drop Tristan McKenzie and you're like, ah, whatever. I took him around 25. Mm-hmm. He's, I don't think he's going to last that long. If you take him in round 15, round 16, 17, I think you're in like, you got to hold him now until he comes back, unless there's a big setback, but I think you hold him for April and May. Um, I don't want to be in a position where I have to hold him for April and May. I want to be in a position where if, if I see something else I like out there, I can just drop him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's reasonable. Uh, to that end, I'm not drafting Jose Altuve. Uh, even though he's going around pick 300 now, they're talking about putting him on the 60 day IL, which means you're locked into yeah. at least June uh, for that. So I, I, I'm very concerned about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I think now I would take Altuve. Altuve to me is such a difference maker, like different than um, different than McKenzie. I like I would take Altuve. Um, see where I have him ranked. I would. T- you said he's la- You say he's lasting to about pick three hundred. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, let's see. On uh, he he went to Glenn and uh, Glenn Colton was in my league, and he took him at uh, pick two ninety eight. Okay, I'm in at that. I, I would be in at that. Okay. He's a real, I, and, and I'm only projecting getting half a season out of him. That's all I'm, I'm expecting. Not only is he okay. on the 60 day, I'm expecting he misses April, May, and June. But then after that, we're talking about someone who is being drafted around pick 30. So, so the reason I'm, I'm staying away is yeah. because at, you know, I know he ran last year, but he did not run in previous years, the yeah. last two years before yeah. that. What do we have with Jose Altuve? What sort of player is he going to be when he comes back? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how much of a runner. Uh, I don't know if he's going to. Is he going to. Does he. Does that change yeah. how he slides? I need to. I, I have to read up. Does he slide head first or does he normally slide feet first? You know, that that little detail matters now when you're coming back from a broken thumb. Yeah, it, it does. I tried to project out. So what I did to project Altuve is I projected half a season of Altuve and half a season of Joey Wendell, who you could just grab late in your draft and use. Hopefully mm-hmm. I could do better than Joey Wendell across the first half of the season. Sure. But, but maybe not. Or right. So so let's be pessimistic. Let's take Joey Wendell. Let's take Miguel Rojas, who's going to open the season as the number eight or nine hitter for the Dodgers, playing probably most days. He's not that good. And take half a season of each and put it together and it came out to like an okay it came out to an okay player at that point then there's the detriment of value of having to waste a bench spot of Altuve for right. half a year but but I mean half a year could Altuve hit in half a year 15 home runs yes he's a 30 homer type guy he could hit 15 
Sure. And then the other guy in half a season could maybe hit five, four. Mm-hmm. So you can get about 20 home runs um, between the two of them. Could you get 10 steals? Probably. Altuve maybe steals five and half a year and the other guy steals five in his half. Right? Yeah. So a, 20, maybe. a 2010 guy and then Altuve, because he's when he's good, he's a 300 hitter. And if the other guy hits even 250, now you've got a 275 hitter over half a seat over the foot. But how many hit. times has a guy come back from a hand or a thumb or a wrist yep. injury and not be the same yep. hitter for a while too? Yeah. So what I did is I did this and then I think I would not only want, to, I would want to see Altuve at the top of my rankings for like a, two rounds before I draft him. So mm-hmm. I do those. If you do those projections, that's actually a pretty good player. Like a 2010, 275, like, like that's, that's Miguel Vargas. Right. I right. will say this, and in defense so. of Glenn and Al Williams, uh, he's their fourth middle infielder. They have Bogarts, they have Correa, they have Bryson Stott. So, you know, that's a pretty, you know, they, they spent an early enough pick on the guy that's in there for Altuve, round 13 on him. So this is a guy they intend to use all season long. Yeah, yeah. So so I, you feel like he's maybe a bit more of a bonus for them. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I understand that. I think it's like an overall contest swing for the fences sort of play. I just don't make that. I just, I, I, I've been, I have some stashes and I just feel like you get a stash and then three other injuries happen. My, my poor Tower Wars team. I have Tristan McKenzie. I have Grayson Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. I have Oswald Peraza. Uh, Is it, yeah. Is it, it's Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza, right? I think it is. I have the guy that got sent down, of course. Yeah. I have Bailey Ober, who had a great spring, amazing yeah. spring, and he got sent down. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm scrambling. I've got three pitchers to replace. Yeah, that that is a yeah is a really tough group. Um, you have to make some tough cuts like Ober, I think, in that one. And you're right. If we go back to NFBC, like like holding Altuve for half the year at some point is probably going to make you cut someone who you don't really want to cut, but they're right. hurt. And or they're a starting pitcher, which is a really bad matchup this week, and you can't use them or you don't want to use them and you don't have room to keep them. Like if you let them go, you have to get someone for them. You have to get someone for your lineup and you have to let them go to make it happen. So, yeah, th- that's the extra burden of having someone like Altuve for half the year. It's not just half a year of Altuve and half a year of Miguel Rojas. It's half a year of Altuve. And then half a year of wasted bench space with Altuve. And that's why I would need to see him. I'll do the projections, but I would need to see him sitting at the top of my projections for a couple rounds at least before I would go for him. No. And the other thing that happens is that you stop yourself from bidding on a free agent because you don't want to make that cut. Yeah. So there's the opportunity cost every single week that you don't cut them. That's a player you're not taking a shot on. And because we're not, we don't have the gift of prophecy. Uh, we don't know which one of these free agents is going to really boom or could be good for a week or two. And you're costing yourself stats every single week because you're holding on to that spot and not yep. picking up the other guy. It's the Monty Hall problem. You want what's behind door number three every time. The unknown. Embrace yep. the unknown. Uh, and you, you don't get the chance to do that if, you, if you're if you stashing the whole time. All right, let's talk about some other uh, free agent new- or spring training news. But first, quick note from our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable platform in fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper redraft and best ball leagues coming from another service. Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your, 
uh, your current leagues and customize if needed. Uh, Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule, auction room. I mean, uh, their auction room is very good. Uh, we've used it many times before in Talent Wars. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All Frantrax users will also be entered in their MLB game day experience giveaway, which includes free tickets and $1,000 for travel and accommodations for you and your league, meet, league mates. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire. Also, Vivid Seats is back. We used Vivid Seats a couple times last year, once for a Dodgers game, also once for a Padres game when Allie and I went on our uh, summer college tour and went down to San Diego, and that was awesome. So it worked out really well. Swing into the MLB season with Vivid Seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, and every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team, live and in person. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets and simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Pro reward tip. Buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just vivid, just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Big thanks to them for sponsoring us again this season. Uh, we have, yeah, Joel Hernard is in the same boat as uh, uh, he's got some, some bad uh, issues already to try to deal with there. All right. Uh, let's talk about some of the other news items here. We got a lot. Of, well, this isn't even so much a news item as it's batting order. Let's talk batting order for a little bit here. Anthony Volpe. Scheduled to bat ninth on opening day. Does that quell your enthusiasm, Fred? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I'm not in on Anthony Volpe at the his recent ADP anyways. Yeah. Like once we start talking to about him, what are we talking now around pick 100? Late and, and earlier. Yesterday, he went at pick 87. And I've seen the, the min pick is 67. Uh, I just looked him up the last three days. There's been 10 main events. His ADP is 96. Like, I'm not feeling that at all. Like, yeah, I'm just not feeling that at all. Like, we're talking about him going before Wander Franco, Jose Abreu. Like, just some really Wilson Contreras, Brian Reynolds. Like, those guys are just really solid veterans. I just can't get into the hype machine at that. But him batting ninth would be, I guess... The reason is, I guess, to put him that high is maybe there's this chance that he hits leadoff and scores like 95 runs and steals a bunch of bases and and everything. And he can obviously work his way up to leadoff in no time if he gets off for a sure. good start. But I know you and Scott talked about how this is someone who did not hit for average in the minors. So I know a great young prospects can come fast and he could not hit for average in the minors and figure it out and hit for ma- average right away in the majors. But I'm not using a top. 100 pick to figure that out like he's already leapfrog in the last three days jordan walker for example if we're just and i'd rather have walker prospects. this year yeah me too i i think yeah me too i mean remember that volpe could just go the other way he could come out and hit 160 in the first two or three weeks and they just go back to peraza 
That's say, entirely just, true. Yeah. And just say, Hey, this kid needs a little more time in the minors. And at that point you've given up again, like Jose Abreu could drive in a hundred runs this year on the Astros, right? Like Brian Reynolds is a really established quality player. Um, Ren- yeah. Reynolds slipped a lot, by the way, when He's I boring. took my first two uh, outfielders and Jake McCarthy, and Nick Castellanos last night, I was debating going, going with Reynolds with that second pick, but I wanted a little bit more pure power. He almost made it to my next pair of picks, and I would have taken it. I would have gone so yeah. fast to make your head spin. I would, I would have punished the league for that, but no, it didn't happen. Instead, uh, John Posma took him right before me. John Posma just crushed me in this. <laughs> well, he took a lot of my guys. Let's just say that. I don't know if he right. crushed me, but he, he broke my spirit many times. Okay. Um, yeah, he got Shane McClanahan at his, like, max. He got Tommy Edmond at 713. I think these are all, like, really good values. And yeah. he was always like, oh, I'm going to get this guy. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to. He didn't miss those spots. Getting hemmed in by someone, you're right, is way worse. Like, for you at 14, you don't want that amazing guy at 13. You want him at 15. So yeah. you can hem I, him in. And I, I was happy with my draft. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But could have been happier it could have been even happier with yep. with certain things um yeah anyways i think yeah i think with where volpe's going it's just these boring guys fall to me Always. in the main event like brian reynolds because you picture anthony volpe stealing 40 hitting lead off scoring 95 or 100 runs stealing 40 bases and leading you to that massive grand prize and that's just not really in brian reynolds wheelhouse but reynolds is just way more likely to have 25 homers, 80 runs, 80 RBIs, you know, 280 batting average. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you need guys like Reynolds even in a main event competition. Yeah, for sure. For, especially in a main event competition. Yeah. Boring wins. Boring Absolutely. wins all the time. But it doesn't um, get pumped, but it doesn't get pushed up in late March. No, it no. doesn't. No. Uh, and the thing is, Michael Harris, yes, he returned value from the nine spot. You realize how rare that is, though. Yeah. Yeah, it has to everything has to break right for that. Again, I'm not saying Volpe is a number nine hitter. It, it actually makes lots of sense for them to start. Like starting Volpe off on opening day, hitting leadoff at his age with no major league experience, kind of silly. So starting him off hitting ninth makes perfect sense. Uh, leave him there for a couple of weeks. Let's see how he does. You know, you can start inching him up. You know, guys get days off and all of a sudden he's batting sixth one day or seventh mm-hmm. one day. And then, you know, and then and then if it's going well, he could be a leadoff hitter by the middle of April. My disinterest in taking Volpe is just how high the price has come for sure in, in, in comparison to what I think he's capable of right now. And it's the batting average concerns. If I thought Volpe could hit 285 or something this year, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see that happening right away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I tend to agree with you on that one there. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Um, Edward Cabrera, we mentioned him earlier. He's won a rotation spot. Might pitch yeah. as early as the third start. Um, interest? Uh, I I haven't really been in on him at his ADP. Uh, I'm not like like fully against him. I just find, again, maybe he's someone who's... So his, his main event ADP in those last 10 main event drafts is 198. Um, I don't know. Just the whip concerns are probably enough for me to not be... Also durability concerns. I think I add those two together and I'm probably not in on him at that ADP, but, but I don't think he could totally meet it. Like, I don't think yep. it's crazy. Like that's a good park. Uh, the Marlins do well typically with their pitchers. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. I just don't see me giving him a low in my projections, a low enough whip 
or a high enough innings total and therefore high enough strikeout total and high enough win total to get him up to that, that mid round range. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like him. I'm intrigued by him, but a lot of things need to go right. I, you asked the corollary. Do you drop Braxton Garrett? I I don't. Yeah. I think you have to. I think you, I guess. Did they send him? No, he's working out of the bullpen though, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's going to do long relief to keep himself stretched out when they have an injury. I think he's the guy like maybe his first starts only three innings, you know, the next one's Mm -hmm. four or something like that. Um, I think you have to drop Braxton Garrett. And then I think he's just someone, if you like him, where the day a Marlin starter goes down, he goes into your bid queue and and you're willing to put in a decent bid for him if it's early in the season, because I think he could be a useful starter. Yeah. But I, I, just I like don't, Garrett. Don't think he's high end enough when we're, when we're debating whether you keep Grayson Rodriguez, I just, when we're debating that, I don't think you can keep Braxton Garrett and Garrett could end up in the bullpen for two months. I don't think we're debating on uh, Grayson though. I think we're keeping him. Right. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. But but you said you wouldn't draft him. That's different. Right. I've I've already stuck with him. I'm going to hold him. Right. But, right. Uh, but I'm not I, I'm not going to miss the opportunity cost of an, a 17th rounder on, yeah. on him. Yeah. I think that's yeah. I think that's entirely different. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I cuz I think the threshold for keeping is like 25th round, but the you know, threshold yeah. for drafting him in the 17th is a lot more costly. Yeah. Um, so with, I, I Sorry, go ahead. I can thread that needle. Yeah, I was going to say with Garrett, like you could draft Garrett this week from now on in round 30. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just don't know what the, like you've got to, now you're committed to keep it. I feel like I would just pick him up. If right. I draft him in round 30, I'd just be hoping a Marlin starter gets hurt this weekend. I think it's a perfect <laughs> if he illustration of like the difference between what we think should happen and what's actually happening. Yeah. We don't think that Garrett should lose a rotation spot to Johnny Cueto, but that's what's happening. You know, yeah, that, that's, and it, that's life in the big city. And it's very similar to the Orioles discussion that we just had. The Orioles said the Orioles have a bunch of pitchers in their rotation who are just okay, whether it's Kramer and they're not even that young, whether it's Kramer, Wells, Cole Irvin, whatever. Um, but they're, they're or opening day starter, Kyle Gibson. Yeah. Right. They're building organizational depth. Rodriguez will get in there for all that Johnny Cueto, all the things about Johnny Cueto that aren't good. Last year, he had a 335 ERA, and the year before, he had a 408 ERA, and those are both seasons more than 20 starts. Um, and the Marlins are saying, if this guy can make 20 starts for us and have an ERA in the range of th- between three and a half and four, that's that's terrific. And then we still got Braxton Garrett when someone gets hurt. So I Let get it. Let me ask it. you this. Uh... You obviously do like, you know, your own projections. You kind of have an idea of what targets you're going for. Did you set a higher target in ERA accounting for the new rules? No, I decided not to get, I decided not to do something that I don't really know how to do, which is like, like grasp that ERA target with the new rules. So I like that. I like that answer. Yeah. I just was like, I think that's over my head. If someone else feels like they can do that, but it's not one rule change. It's, it's the shift and the base stealing. And mm-hmm. the pitch clock, like I was like, if someone can wrap their head around all three of those and feel like they can accurately change every pitcher's ERA and the league wide ERA, and it's the same thing for WHIP. So I I didn't really do that. I tried to keep myself from getting too optimistic on pitchers' ERAs and WHIPs mm-hmm. because of the rules because the rules aren't in their favor. Um, but that's about it. And then I'll adjust it next year once we have something to play with. But if it was one rule change, I might've tried to get my head around it, but three major rule changes, all negatively impacting pitchers, I think was too much. 
do you think that's a skill? Do you think at being able to estimate the rule change impact on that? Is that something that some people have that, uh, is this something that we should try to work on or is yeah. this just, is, is this something that we waste too much time on? So how about this? The simplest one, the most straightforward ones of these new rules, there's two of them. One is how much will different hitters have their batting average? Individual hitters have their batting average go up. And the other one is who's going to steal more bases and by how much? Um, I've seen some good projections on the batting average stuff. If you look mm -hmm. at the back of the process book and some things like that, there's some good projections on how much each player was shifted and how much their BABIP would be likely to improve by having less shifting. Although teams are already trying to figure out ways. We've seen that the two outfielders right. and things like that to, to have new shifts that are still allowed. Um, but anyways, so that one, I think, we've done a little bit okay and i tried to account for that with certain individual hitters this the base ceiling i still haven't really seen people come up with something that i was impressed with like i still don't i still see the the jury's out on whether this whole thing means that you know the best base dealers in baseball are now going to steal 55 bases 60 bases or whether mm -hmm. they're going to keep stealing like 35 but more guys are going to steal 20 right or whether or both and I, I really, for all the thought that's been put into it, I still really haven't seen something definitive that really catches the industry and everyone's like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, that's where this is all going to go this year. Yeah. Uh, so we have, we, as a whole industry, we haven't really been able to do it in my, unless I'm, unless someone's done it and I've missed it, but I don't think so. I haven't seen it out there. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think you should try to right. do too, too much there. You, yeah. I think you guess a little bit here. Okay, uh, David Peterson wins a rotation spot for the Mets. Tyler McGill gets sent down. How interested are you in David Peterson? Um, uh, like late round interested, which isn't probably enough to get him. I've seen him going a little higher, maybe like early, early, early late round, kind of like around round 20 or something like that. Um, yeah, good, really good strikeout rate in his career and especially last year. Uh, whip tends to be a little high, um, but Last year, working most of his innings as a starter, he had an ERA under four. New York's a really good place to pitch. The Mets have a good team. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy to round out a pitching staff. His ADP in those last 10 mains is 270. Um, that feels fair. That feels fair. I'd How much say. were you in on the bidding for him in mixed labor? Um, well, no, I would. Oh, in mixed labor. Uh, I bid on him. He was like third or fourth in my queue. I mostly just bid a couple bucks on pitchers other than David Robertson. I mostly just bid a couple bucks on him. Um, I did put Jared Schuster ahead of him in my queue and ended up winning Schuster. I don't know okay. if that'll prove right or wrong, but I guess I decided to take a chance on the shiny new toy rather than David Peterson. I think Peterson, I don't know what he went for in our mixed labor. I can pull it up. But six. He went six. for six. Okay. I got it in front of me right now. Okay. Seven. Uh, seven. I lied. Seven. Seven. Uh, that feels just a little more than I would spend on him, but like fair. Yeah. I kind of had in bids of like three. Yeah. You um, were doing your Fred small ball. I thing. totally was. You're right. Actually. Um, I was cause he won. You're right. There was a failed bit of six and a failed bit of five and then a four and a couple threes that would have been me. Um, I was the four by the way. I felt like there were a bunch of pitchers. That I was like Schuster. I was kind of interested in Drew Smiley. Did I get him? Oh yeah, I did get him. 
You got um, five players, by the way. You must have had a lot of injuries. That's the difference between labor and NFBC right there. You're right. That's it. I had a bunch of injuries and was able to put four. I've, I've already got an open bench spot, even since we did Fab Kyle right when on the IL. So I got another empty bench spot for next oh, week. Lucky you. Yeah. You have opportunities galore. I did. I dropped Dre, J- Dre Jameson, and then I have four. Now I have five. I already have five guys from that labor draft, none of whom were hurt when we drafted. Yeah. on the IL. If I was an NFBC team, I would have had to have cut some of those players. And Jose Quintana, for sure. Oh, Brendan Rogers for sure. Those would have been cuts, for sure. And maybe even cut someone else. But that's the huge difference. That's where a league like Labor and Tout Wars gets deeper right away than the NFBC in April. You immediately yeah. go deeper because across your league, like 50, 60, 70 guys go on the IL in the first like two weeks of the season between now and the right the, between last week. And oh the yeah. First, and week you can two. flex that you got, uh, and you're uh, that, that you, you have more IL spot, IL players. Right. I think I had for about four months of the season, I had a solid average of nine players on my IL. It was right. ridiculous last year. Some of <sighs> yeah. that is because teams are more inclined to use that, those spots, I think. But, uh, some of that also is just that I ran into a brick wall. I, I missed out on my top targets. I got a $1 Josh Donaldson and a $3 Bailey Falter. I bid 13 on uh, David Robertson. It was not even half of the winning bid. He went for 27. Uh, Peterson, I bid on Scott McGuff, uh, who got a save last night. Now, yeah. a save on an exhibition game. I don't even want to call it a spring training <laughs> game, but exhibition game. Yeah. Does that matter to you? A little bit. I think a little bit, especially yeah. because, especially because that bullpen is as wide open as any bullpen in baseball. And he seems to have building momentum. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just a guy just randomly out of nowhere that got a save. And you're like, well, he's got an ADRA this spring. Like he's like, whatever. They just threw him in there. It was his turn, whatever. Like, like there is some building momentum for him. So I was kind of, when people started drafting him, I was like, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we're on the right track here. I don't think there is a track here, but I can see it now. I I'm too late. Well, I'm not too late. I could draft him tonight, but yeah, I'm too late for the getting him in round 30 time a few weeks ago. So for sure. Yeah, I did get him Saturday, uh, like round 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went in 22 last night, but I already had two closers. So I and I think I have two closers. We'll see. I mean, the Royals haven't officially said that uh, Barlow is the closer. So when we see Chapman get right. rolled out in the ninth inning, you can see me burst a vein. It'll be fun. But uh, anyhow, um, yeah, I, I missed out on a lot of my top targets there. There's a lot of people picked up. It's such an important week, that first week of bidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, every single person bid on Robertson, if I recall correctly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you didn't bid on Robertson this week, like you, you shouldn't be in the league. Like I don't you, care you just if you draft, asleep you're asleep. Wheel. Like yeah. yeah, even put it. Someone bid five bucks. Like it's just you know, someone bid four. That was the lowest one someone submitted. But whatever. Like at least put in it. Even if you drafted two, I bid four. I no no no. I bid thirteen. That's right, Peter. Yeah, you bid thirteen. Sorry, so sorry, even sorry. the person who bid four, like even if that person bought or drafted two closers who are solid, like at yeah. least just pricing for something on them. I get like yeah. Anyways, I. The big thing in labor is obviously this, you can't have $0 bids and you only have a $100 budget. And that's right. why. And example, you can't trade fab either. You can trade, right. but you can't trade fab. That's right. So for someone like David, even going back to David Peterson, um, like just me needing to fill five spots already in my, on my roster, I was like, oh, I don't have, I don't have money for a $7 pitcher unless I think he's really special. 
Instead, I'm going to have a bunch of $2 pitchers and I had 2 and $3 on guys like Smiley and Kikuchi and Falter and Peterson and just take, take whatever the room gives me. But I just need, I just need bodies at this point and we'll, we'll throw them all in and just see who sticks for a few weeks. And, and, I, I, and uh, I think Robertson rightfully was a bigger bid, but yep. the other guys, I was, I'm more than content to play small ball. There'll be other big, bigger free agents over the course of the year. Yep. I mean, two years ago. One of my one of the reasons I won the league is I, I picked up Emmanuel Class A and Fab. You know, right. that was massive. Yeah. Um, and you could see it coming a little bit there. And I, I bid a, a de- decent chunk and it was worth it. But you need, you know, and you keep your you need to fill the spots. You don't want to have dead spots, but at the same time, there, there's a lot more people to fill them this week. Yeah, um, that's what I try to be aware of with Robertson. And I wasn't closer desperate. I have Felix Batista. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I have one arm, I have Dylan Floro, who's just maybe a possibility, but not really, like, I'm not counting on him, but I have Batista. So that's a starting point in this current landscape. So, you know, I was in, I think I went up to about 20 or so on Robertson, but I knew someone, either the person with Diaz or someone who didn't draft a closer or just someone who's mega aggressive on fab. But like you said, like you get them now and then they're going to be guys you're really interested in whether it's prospects or whatever. I thought the same thing about Jerickson Profar. I think he's worth discussing at least just for a minute. Um, Yeah. He went for 12. I only bid about five or six. Um, I bid three. I think he's interesting. At the same time, I I think there's things that – he jumped up a lot as soon as he signed with the Rockies, and I get it. People love getting Rockies hitters. But we've talked this spring that, like, you may not want many Rockies hitters when they're on the road this year because that's a bad lineup. And the mm-hmm. Rockies typically hit poorly on the road. Um, and then on top of that, I don't know if people are, everyone's aware of this, but he like just became eligible. Like he hasn't played in spring training. Right. So when you talk about how. Did he play for uh, the Netherlands and the WEC? I, I think he did. I think he did. Okay. So there's, there's something. But when we talk about last year, how these guys like Nick Castellanos had a really short spring training, Trevor Story, after they signed late, after the labor mm-hmm. negotiations and everything and how it, may have impacted them like he's literally coming in today and an opening, right. day is, an opening day is thursday and i guess we're not worried about that because his adp has already shot up to probably what it should be if he had been with the rockies all of spring training i think it's above where it should be um, right I, I am i am emphatically not paying that price yeah uh, i think that the even if he had a full spring training if they had a unsigned free agents training camp like they've had in previous years, like the year after the lockout or, you know, yeah. I, 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 even then, I, I don't think that's worth the price. Uh, I, every time he goes drafted in, in a round that starts before the number two, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm pleased as punch. Uh, he went 19 yesterday and that was close at least, but um, yeah, just cross that name out and move on because that's not a guy I was targeting. Uh, I, I think it's a gift. I think course field makes good hitters. Great. I think it makes Average hitters, good. It doesn't make him great. It does not make bad hitters good, though. Um, I don't think he's a bad hitter, but what no. does he do? Uh, and he only qualifies at outfield, by the way. He, you know, he used to be right. this like all over the diamond guy. He's not even that. So me, me junking all over here uh, on Jerickson Provar. I wa- watched him him hit like three twenty this year, and I'll, I'll be in the, I'll be the idiot. But. I- no, yeah, I, I don't, I'm okay I, missing out on that one. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't think like it. Like, I, so for example, he's going, he, so his ADP in those last 10 mains is around 17. Uh, he's going 50 picks ahead of Charlie Blackman. I'm not saying I'm like super in on Charlie Blackman or anything, but like, what's the difference? Like, why? And would who's going to play more? 
Blackman's going to play more. Well, or at least they're going to play the same, and their skill sets are probably about the same. They probably hit a, have a homer total somewhere in the teens, yeah. and like a steals total in the single digits. Maybe, maybe Blackman hits for a better average. They're kind of about the same. I just am not sure. I it's almost like because Profar signed late, he got buzz and mm-hmm. shot up. It's not that I think Blackman's too low. It's that I think Profar has shot up too high. Like I think he should probably be behind Blackman. I just I don't don't see this massive upside in Profar. I would if I thought the Rockies lineup was good like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay, he's going to be awesome at home. He's the Rockies leadoff hitter. They've got Matt Holiday and all these other guys. Like, oh, great. He's going to be great at home and playable on the road. But this year I see him as probably okay at home and not playable on the road. I don't know. I He's draftable. I'd be happy to have him on my team, just not at around 1780p. And by the way, I'd love to have had Jerks in Profar's career. It's just a resting seeing him be like a league average player yeah. when he was such a hype prospect. A really weird career. Like such, like you said, like such a hype prospect. And then basically like absolutely no initial success. Like with Texas, like those first four seasons played sparingly. Sometimes hurt a lot. OPS is below sit way below 700 every year. And then had a couple decent seasons. And then has just kind of settled in like decent, like OPS is in the seven hundreds. He's been like in, in the seven hundreds OPS since then. He's like a, he's a major leaguer. Like he's a fourth outfielder. He's a third outfielder. He's a guy who should really hit like seventh or eighth in your lineup. Yep. He's he's okay. I'll be interested to see how long he hangs on for. He just turned 30 a few weeks ago, about a month ago. So I'll be interested to see how long he sticks in the majors for. Yeah, I I agree. This might be it. This might be it. Might Indeed. be a minor league deal and doesn't make the team. Look how late he signed. I mean, that that's yep. your, your kind and, of. And only, let's to be blunt, only an organization as dumb as the Rockies waited and waited and waited and then took him, not only signed him, but immediately made him their starting outfielder and leadoff hitter. It's like, all aha. Of, I all got of a sudden. Oh, we, we, wait, want... we beat the market. We waited forever. And we got <laughs> we ourselves a starter. Yeah, we, we didn't want this guy so until. You. Yeah, we didn't want this guy until the middle of March. Yeah. Um, well, and now all of a sudden. He's like one of the most important players on our team. Exactly. Joel Hernard asked, was, was Scott McGuff picked up in Fabinero Leagues? We're both in labor together. Yes, he was picked up. Tim McLeod got me twice. He got me on McGuff, and he got four to three in bidding. And he also got me on Will Benson, who I thought I could okay. sneak in at four, and that would be an aggressive bid. Nope. I love Will Benson, but apparently I don't love Will Benson enough. I didn't get him in either main event, and I didn't get him uh, in, in Fab bidding. Uh, Tim got him. You know, Tim is new about McClough because he knows all things Japan. Uh, and McGuff pitched over in Japan for a long time there. So, boom. Uh, yeah, also about the Rockies, B-Z-A-R-Z-A-G-Z-A says, not only signed uh, a pro for, but also signed Moustakas too. Yep. Yeah. That's that's the Rockies eating glue in the corner over there. there <laughs> um, for sure. But uh, it's so funny. Let's uh, roll through some questions before we sign out here. Uh, let's see. Uh Late round sleepers after round 30. I'm assuming that's like a 12-teamer. Um, I hope it's not a 15-teamer after round 30 because that's just too late now. Uh, any any late round guys that you really, really, really like? Like late, late round. I'll give uh, you one while you're thinking of that. Yeah, I right. took one yesterday, Nate Eaton on the Kansas City Royals. The guy has the best sprint speed in baseball for, a, for an outfield. He ranks 1.1 in terms of sprint speed from home to first. If you're looking for a stolen base upside and only – Stolen base upside. He can't hit. Uh, but, you know, he, he's like, if you're looking for a Malik Smith type and you just need stolen bases, a guy that you can slot in for a few weeks, 
he's he's useful in that respect. Okay, sticking with the Royals, um, I grabbed late or have picked up in Fab Kyle Isbell in a couple leagues. Yeah, uh, interesting power speed combo. He's listed as a starter on Fangraphs right now. I'm not sure if he'll be able to strike out rarely enough to hit for an okay average and stay in the lineup, but he's the kind of guy who you could grab. Like if he stayed in the lineup all season, he could have 50, he could be a 15, 15 guy. And he's the kind of guy where I think at the end of two weeks, he's either got a boatload of strikeouts and I drop him, or he doesn't. And maybe I'm onto something. So there's, oh. there's an example. Uh, Matt Vierling is another guy who I like that one. I don't know how the playing time will work out in Detroit with him, but um, especially with Akil Badu getting sent down, like, right. I think he's an interesting guy. He should be, he's outfield eligible right now, but I could see him being third base eligible at some point. So maybe like at some point in April. So that that's a neat combo with the way third base is this year and the way outfield is this year. I'll throw one other pitcher, Tyler Wells uh, for the okay. Orioles. Yep. Yep. Uh, hey, you want pitchers pitching in the new Camden yards in Baltimore. Yep. Uh, I, I think he and Dean Kramer can be useful. Uh, you know, you don't, you know, your ninth, tenth, eleventh starting pitcher, but you stream him at home and against weaker opponents, might be okay there. Uh, you know, he, he, at one point in time, we were excited about Tyler Wells as a prospect. Just throwing that yep. out there. Wells is someone who, like, the strikeout rate probably won't be great, but he's going to help your whip, or at least not hurt your whip. Which for a really late round pitcher, to, like, he doesn't walk a lot of batters. He's not going to hurt your whip. Like you said, Camden Yards is good. Uh, Kramer's interesting too. I drafted Kramer you know, as a past 30 rounder in the Tet Wars draft and hold. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where Wells went, but I kind of wish I had grabbed him too. He's someone I streamed at times last year. Like I think Wells will have an ERA in the low fours, but probably a whip, uh, you know, under 1.2. So yeah, he's not bad as, a, as a, just a ninth pitcher on your roster. BZA, RZA, GZS, Jared Kelnick or Estuary Ruiz, who had 109 mile an hour exit velocity in his homer last night, showing he may be able to hit a little bit. He might not just be just a speed goof. <laughs> uh, oh, for me, Ruiz, and it's not even close. I'm not really in on, on Kelnick this year, and I'm not like fully in on Ruiz, but I have one share. So that shows that I'm at least in the ballpark. I think you're an out on Ruiz guy, aren't you? Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. He had 16 home runs last year in the minors. Yeah, I didn't think like, he that's... could hit major league pitching, but I could be wrong about that one there. Um, I don't have any Ruiz so far. I have a little bit of Kelnick, but I think if you're looking for, if you're hurting for stolen bases, you go, if you have an early build where you don't get a lot of steals, I mean, Ruiz does solve a lot of problems, especially now that we know he's made the roster and it's going to start. We'll see. I mean, Pache got designated for assignment by the A's, so yeah. Um, that 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 bodes well for him. Yeah. Joseph asks uh, Michael Massey or Bryce uh, Bryce Terang in a five by five league. Uh, Michael Massey. I think playing times maybe I feel a little <laughs> better about like in the long run for him. So yeah, I think Michael Massey is interesting for this year. I have no shares, but I've always been interested in him. ADP of in those last ten mains of three forty two, so right around the end of your starting lineup, beginning your bench. I think that feels fair for him. I answered this one in the chat room earlier, but uh, I'll do it here too. Hayden Wesneski or Josiah Gray? Easy one for me. I'll, I'll answer this one. Hayden Wesneski. Wesneski is skyrocketing right now, guys. He's yep. starting to go bef- before pick 200. He's won the fifth starter's job, and I think he's better than a fifth starter. Um, you know, no longer can get him at pick 300. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I like him a lot too. I have no shares and I'm disappointed in myself for not just going out on a limb and taking him around pick 300 when he didn't have a rotation spot because I see someone I had in leads late last year. I like him. And like you said, now that he's got a rotation spot for a while, I think he could be someone who pitches well enough that they just can't take him out. Exactly. Yeah. When his ADP in those last 10 mains is before miles, Michaelis to talk about like just how it's right before, but that's, yep. that's, you're getting up pretty high. That's been my experience, uh, which means again, the boring Michaelis slides to me. The exciting Wesneski is gone. Yeah. So, so yeah. it goes. Yeah. I'd rally. I'd rather have Michaelis by the way than Wesneski, but Oh, it's I, do like I would too, I think, but it's close. It's yeah. close. Because you're not getting strikeouts with Michaelis. And I understand the reticence on using a spot on a guy that doesn't get Ks. When you yeah. get that five and two thirds, three runs allowed and two strikeouts, no win outing yeah. to Michaelis, you're like, Ugh. yeah, for but sure. But you get so many, then you forget about the good outings. Um, and yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mr. Grouch86 says, uh, do you prefer a short week or a long week to start the year in your leagues? With a follow up comment. His league locks lineups at the start of the week. So this long week is crazy to plan for. That's it's nuts to line up lock lineups on Monday this week. Just nuts. You know, I have all the roster yeah. cuts haven't been made. You know, you need to like hang your, uh, no, don't, don't do anything bad. You should petition your commissioner to change that rule. Cause that's a nuts rule. Uh, I prefer, you know, I don't really care whether it's a short week or long week. Uh, I don't, but then again, I don't play head to head that much. And I think that's why, uh, where this question generates from. Yeah, for Mr. Grouch, I would be grouchy about the long week. I don't like it. I don't like it after the All-Star break either. The yeah. leagues that go to that 10 or 11 day week. After I, the I don't like break. that either. No, like it's just, you're just asking people to envision things that they can't, that you can't. And it's just more luck. Like I like the short week. Let's let us manage here coming up Thursday to Sunday. And then let's have a good fab and then manage that first full week of the season seven day week as its own entity. And like I said, I feel the same way every year after the all-star break. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's. So I threw this comment up in the uh, MJ said talk when we were talking about David Robertson, that he thinks he's terrible. Wasn't paying attention last year. I'm on the Phillies. He was fine on the Cubs before he went to the Phillies. Yep. Have the Mets actually declared Robertson to be the closer? Because I thought that was interesting how the whole community has decided that it's definitely Robertson and not Ottavino. Yeah, I, I, I think it is going to be Robertson. I, I do understand the point about his time on the Phillies. Um, now, he did have a 270 ERA on the Phillies, but that was a little fortunate. Uh, his FIP was 377. He walked too many batters. He walked a fair amount of batters last year, 35 and 63 and two-thirds innings. Um, but I don't know. I think it is going to be Robertson. Ottavino is just as old as Robertson. Robertson has way more closing experience. He's got closing experience, like, I don't know. He's got experience in New York that like, I know not with the Mets, but in New York, as far as its own entity is, is a big city um, with a lot of pressure on the baseball teams. I don't know. I think Robertson just to feels to me like he is going to get the first shot at it. Yeah. So I think he I, will I do, but yeah. I just, I just want to caution people that I haven't seen an official nope. word yet. And, nope. and I, I don't I think can't tell will. you how many times I've seen that and gotten burned uh, yep. by yep. the lack of official announcement. Uh, Royals, the Diamondbacks in particular, have been particularly bad about that. I don't yeah. think Buck Shawwater's done that to us too often. So for whatever no. it's worth, but um, just something to, something to keep a heads up on. There. You're right. I do feel like Buck's usually a closer guy, not a mm-hmm. committee guy. So I just think Robertson's almost 38. Year, he'll turn 38 in a couple of weeks. I don't think you have to run out and announce it. Like you just talk to him. He knows he knows what's going on in a major league bullpen at this point in his career. For sure. So does Ottavino. I, 
I could see throwing a dollar at Ottavino or around 28, 29, 30 pick on Ottavino this week and just see what happens. Maybe he walks out for the first save and there's no turning back and you've gotten a huge steal. It totally makes sense. Yeah. I have a $2 Ottavino in the staff, Rotowire staff keeper. Yeah. League. Uh, yeah. And then Robertson went for five, like the next player. Um, yeah. And both were cheap when you think about yeah. it there. But the, the, that five is. Yeah, I would have paid more. Than, I think I would have paid more than that. It was it was the night of the injury, and we didn't know that, uh, I see. that he was uh, he yeah. was going to be out for the year. But we yeah. knew it was like, uh oh, that looks bad, you know. Yeah, so kind of one of those things. All right, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, so many different topics. Make sure to read all the notes on Rotowire rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, get a free trial. You don't have to. You don't if you don't subscribe right now, it's fine. You get a peek behind the paywall. You can see everything that we have, and you can see how many notes how copious they are and you know how thorough they are really i i implore you to check it out rotowire.com slash pod that's going to wrap up today's podcast we got james anderson tomorrow we've got uh, me with the mystery guest on thursday on opening day can't wait we'll talk about more drafts and all that fred good stuff as always good luck in your draft tonight yes and good luck to everyone who's listening out there a lot of big drafts coming up hopefully they go your way all right good luck everybody thanks for listening take care Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.